It's the only podcast that broadcasts this year 103 miles between each other. Hi, everybody. George Koff, Desmond McLaughlin with you here on the fifth quarter podcast, episode number two of the fourth season. Glad to have you with us as we break down week one and look ahead to week two of this 2021 college football season. Of course, this Saturday marks the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And we'll get more into that as we go through the podcast. But first, Desmond, how are you doing on this Thursday, September the 9th? Can't complain, George. Got more football coming up. Actually, as a matter of fact, there actually has been some NBA talks recently. Ooh. So I've been keeping I've been keeping lots of touch in that. So I'm ready, George. I'm ready for this podcast, man. Yeah, you know, and it just so happens that we start, you know, today's podcast recording it on the night that the NFL returns and uh, with the Cowboys and the Buccaneers playing in Tampa Bay. But that's NFL and we're college. So we're going to get right into this and talk a look a little, little bit more about, you know, before you get to the pros, what those uh, look like. So Desmond, you ready to get into episode number two? I'm ready, George. Let's get it. All righty. And we'll start where we left off last week and uh, Texas Tech and Houston being able to battle things out in the Texas kickoff at NRG. And Desmond, you kind of hit it right on the head last week. You said that Texas Tech going to show some fight and, um, able to get the win, and they did. They did uh, look so much better than the Houston Cougars. What happened there in uh, NRG? I don't know, George. I, we looked very strong the first half, and I remember I may have got a little too much over myself. Text my friends like, "Oh, we're ready for the Big 12, You know what's up with it?" The second half, I, it was a whole different. It was a whole different team. Clinton Tune. I, I apologize. He's Great football player, but he looked like he was a JV starting quarterback out there. I mean, four interceptions. And then I, I, I do want to point out, George, I warned everybody about Eric Ezekuma. I said that he's a great receiver, and what he go out and do? Almost 190 yards, was the leading receiver for their team. And I, I told him, some of my friends came up from Tech, I said, hey, keep an eye on him. I was right. You know, you should see he's, he's got great talent. Um, Tyler Shaw he looked very promising. Founders receivers. It'll be interesting to see what Tech does in Big 12 this year. But if we compete the way we compete in the first half, I think that we'll be fine this season. Yeah. And, you know, I think Houston, there was, it, like you mentioned, a tail two halves. They were up mm-hmm. 21 to seven going into the locker room. And that's got to be a really good momentum shift. You, you feel like you have. You, you have yourself in a really good situation. And I, I was at Kyle Field, obviously. We'll get to that AM game in a second. Mm-hmm. So I was checking the ESPN scoreboard every so often, and I saw 21 to 7. I thought, wow, that's actually pretty, you know, yeah. shocked. But, you know, I'm not too shocked because Texas Tech is all over the place, you know, lost a lot of pieces. And then about 20 minutes later, I looked at the score again, and we're tied up. And I'm like, hello? Like, you know, what happened? How can you go from playing how, – how can you go from playing really good offensive football in 30 minutes to just forgetting how to go back to that the last 30 minutes? And obviously, you know, you have collapses, but, you know, yeah. Texas Tech scored the last 17 points of the football game. That's what it boils down to. Um, or more than that, I'm sorry. It, they scored the last uh, 31 points of the football game. So even worse – no, <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned it, Clayton Tune, not the best. And he did have three total touchdowns, which is not, you know, not bad, but the that, first half. 
yeah, so, exactly. The, the first half, but the, you know, the four interceptions, you cannot have that, you know, in yeah. any, in any level, you can't have four interceptions um, and, and expect to win at least against a team where you're about even. Um, but the, the Houston Cougars will have a chance to rebound. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that they're going to have to get things right. And they get to do that against rice, which, mm. They had their own problems against Arkansas. You know, they actually had a 17 to seven lead before giving away the last 31 points of the game. So very similar situations for both teams yeah. in the Bayou bucket this Saturday. Desmond, what's your score prediction for that game? <clears throat> um, I think we're going to take this one 38, 13, you know, rice has always been a problem that struggled uh, football wise. I know way back in the day, these be really good, but just hasn't been the same. So I think we're going to win this one. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, I'm going to start things off interesting. I kind of like Rice. I was looking at them play Arkansas. They kind of exploited Arkansas in ways that I haven't seen that happen from a Rice team. Um, they look a little bit rejuvenated, if you will. Um, I think this is not your typical Rice team that we see every year where eh, they'll win one or two games and then, you know, move on yeah. with their life. Um, I really think home field advantage, I mean, it's, again, at Rice Stadium, so it's going to be probably 50-50 between Houston and Rice crowds. Field, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think Houston is going to be able to win games if they can't get their offensive struggles. You know, if they cannot solidify that offense, they're not going to win a football game after you know at all this season they may have a 20 point lead but they're not going to win it because they're not going to be able to continue that offense for a full 60 minutes i've got the rice owls winning this one 24 to 20 and i think um i do think if the, if houston wins i won't be surprised um that's the biggest thing i have to say is like it's not it's going to be oh if rice wins wow big upset if houston wins you know okay great uh they got things back on track but we'll be able to see what happens there 5 30 uh, on Saturday in Houston should be a good one. Desmond, you going to that game? Um, unfortunately not. My sister is coming home with my baby niece, and so I'm going to be home um, visiting her. Okay, okay. So uh, you'll have to be rooting on your Houston Cougars from afar. Then. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, so Desmond takes the Cougars. I've got the Owls. We'll see what happens. All right, let's talk about College Station for a second. The Aggies did not look the best, Desmond. They didn't, let's be honest, they did not look the best uh, in the first half. And then they kind of just kind of got things together and put put things into a nice bow to put a 41 to 10 victory on the scoreboard over the Kent State Golden Flashes. Let me just put it this way. Being in the stadium, I have to say, there were multiple times that the Aggies left points on the board. It wasn't that, you know, 10 to 7 should not have been the halftime score. And I don't think it reflected the game well. At, up to that point, up to the, you know, going you know, the first 30 minutes of the ball game. Mm-hmm. AM controlled that game from start to finish. I don't people can argue with me, and I will argue right back. AM was never in a position where they were going to lose that football game. They never had more than a that you know, they they scored on the opening drive, which was probably the best opening drive of a football game I've seen from a Jimbo Fisher, Texas AM led team of uh, 75 yards. 14 play, five minutes, typical Jimbo Fisher. As Isaiah Spiller used most of that drive and a nice pass to Isaiah, uh, Anaya Smith from Haynes King to get the scoring, you know, get the scoring open and just, it felt right. You felt like that that was what you were, what you were going to come to be accustomed to coming to see from this Texas A&M squad in 2021. And I think, you know, Isaiah Spiller and Devon A. Chain, both 100-yard rushers, mm-hmm. Anaya Smith had 100 yards receiving. 
things were clicking. The Aggies almost had 600 yards of total offense, and they only put up 41 points. They easily could have put up 60. They had four interceptions, three from Haynes King. You don't want to really yeah. see that. That's got to be something that's got to <clears throat> fix in the in the uh, practice field. I really only give one of those is a bad throw to him because it was tipped. Uh, the other two were kind of, you know, ones you don't – or one was a one he shouldn't have thrown. Two were tipped, so it was, you know, not necessarily his own fault. But I do think, you know, the Aggies, they've got to get things, you know, fixed up, but it's not anything like, oh, this team is not going to win 10 games this year. It's a, you know, hey, it's the first year, first game of the year, see what you've got, and then work with it. And the Aggies were also missing a bunch of defensive starters. So um, thoughts that you had? I mean, you pretty much hit on the head. On the head. Um, definitely turnovers, uh, Kane's king, but I guess what you said makes a lot of sense. Um I thought it's funny that you mentioned that they're missing, missing a lot of defense stars because I, I made, a, made a comment that I thought they looked outstanding. I mean, they held them to like almost a hundred, like pretty much a hundred yards passing. Like that's insane. Cause you were talking last week, we were talking about how good Kent State's offense was last year, putting up numbers. Did you, you had mentioned something like that, right? Correct. The offense was uh, 48 points per game uh, in the four games that they played last year. And um, the only thing that the Aggies did do this did not do this game was not defend the pass or rush rush running. Yeah, rush. I'm sorry, 200 almost 250 yards on the ground. It might have even been more than 250 yards on the ground. Um, so I'll give the fifth year senior some credit. Crum has some talent. The Kent State quarterback, he has some talent, and I think you know nothing against him. I think he's going to do fantastic in the MAC this year. Um, it's a very weak conference, and I think he'll be the best quarterback in that conference. But he was not going to be able to defeat Texas A&M. I think everyone yeah. <laughs> coming into, into the game on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, no, you mentioned it. Miles Jones was one of the biggest key pieces missing on the defensive end, it, it, or defense, especially in the secondary. And But you did say it. The defense played well. And I kept telling my friends in the stands, the defense is what kept us in the game. And it – you know, turn its the whole game on its head with Leon O'Neill's 85-yard pick six. He did that. We hold them to a three and out the next possession and then go down to score, and all of a sudden it's a 27-3 game. I mean, that's how quickly it turned. So I think that's where you start to look at it and go, oh, well, Aiden was never out of it. It was just – it took a little bit. And um, – but – they play Colorado in Denver on Saturday. And Desmond, I'll let you take your prediction first and then I'll follow up mine. I think they win this one easily. 31-14 Aggies. Wow. Short and sweet. And I like that. The Aggies were 6-10 and 10 on third downs this past um, weekend. I think um, – or excuse me. They were more than that. That was what Colorado was. I think that's going to be the key is who can stay on the field the most. We, lo- we know AM likes to run the clock. We know that they're big – time of possession team. That's Jimbo Fisher's scheme. I think the Aggies are not going to be affected by the altitude. I do think they win. I would like to say watch out for the game in Denver because I think it could get out of hand or could be a real interesting game as we get to the fourth quarter, that type of like mindset. But I do think the Aggies cover just barely 41 to 23 because Great, good teams win, great teams cover, and great team and championship teams find a way to cover in the last minute. So, um, we saw that against Kent State, how Kent State missed two field goals at the end of the game to uh keep the Aggies from being uh from covering this the 29 and a half point spread. So, 
there you go. Both of us believe the Aggies will get it done in on the road in the Rocky Mountain State. Speaking of states, let's take a look at the Texas college football atmosphere, and we'll look at our three games this week, the Texas-Arkansas game there in Fayetteville, North Texas and SMU and their rivalry matchup, and Cal and TCU being played in the DFW Metroplex. But Desmond, before we do get into those for just a second, Big 12 has announced that the four schools that we talked about last week are going to be basically given membership tomorrow is the intent that they will officially make that official, officially official. Um, so we'll be looking in a few years at the at BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF joining the Big 12. What's your thoughts on that? How's that quickly? How's that going to benefit the Big 12 moving forward after Oklahoma and Texas leaving in 2025? <clears throat> well, it's obvious that they, you know, had to replace these teams. And I think these are some schools that have really been up on the rise, especially in us U of H, like, especially our basketball program. Um, football program will get there. So I definitely think it's a plus, you know. Um, it'll be interesting what happens to all the other conferences too. Yeah, I think it could be real interesting to see how the American readjusts losing three of their schools. Where do they go from here? Um, and Houston is, I think, the biggest. The fact that they will be a Texas team joining the Big 12. This is a team, a school ha that has wanted to join the Big 12 since Texas A&M really left. Yeah. Quite frank. So I think, and, and, you know, they were part of the Southwest Conference, Desmond, way back when. They were part of the, you know, Rice, Houston, Baylor, Texas, the Aggies, Arkansas. They were all part of that Big 12 or that Southwest Conference that was, you know, an 80-year conference until it broke up in 1995. So I think it'll be real interesting to see how BYU fits into that puzzle too because we know that they're really good um, on the basketball front as well. That's something that I think, expansion everyone forgets football is the first thing but basketball i mean now you add houston and byu which are typically tournament teams every year to the big 12 mm -hmm. which you know who knows how that's gonna look and how that's gonna you know add to it and um and even on the baseball front too um so we'll see what what happens there and and women's basketball can't forget about my uh, you know houston women's basketball which is pretty good typically um so we'll see what happens there with the expansion, I think, coming in 2023 is the intention. So, well, let's get right through these here. Texas, Arkansas, Desmond. Um, I want to apologize to all the Longhorns out there because I seriously doubted them last last week. I think I said 40 to seven was my prediction, or 40 to 17 was my prediction, and uh, a raging Cajuns. And instead, it was uh, 40 to 40 to 18, the Longhorns. So. Um, Sorry, I apologize. Um, just for you guys, which there is no video version of this podcast, but hook them horns. Um, I, there, I said it. I did it once. Move on. Um, I do think this is going to be an interesting game in Fayetteville on Saturday, Desmond. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of interested to see what happens. I, I, I like Arkansas. I think they're kind of turning the, the page, turning the corner. But I think Texas is going to be too much. The all gas, no brakes, that mentality is going to keep on rolling. And it's going to roll through Fayetteville, and it's not going to stop until we get to Big 12 play. I like the Longhorns to get it done. 34 to 30, um, it could even be closer. First of all, I want to say I warned you last week, George, about your bold prediction. Um, but, um, 
I think, yes, I know Arkansas struggled a little bit against, little bit against Rice, but we can't really judge that based off one game. Um, but I think just Texas just has a momentum. They just destroyed a ranked team last week. Um, so I think they're going to win this 34-20. Okay. And, and, you know, it is worth mentioning, Desmond, that the Raging Cajuns did f- completely fall out of the top 25. So, well, I mean, now they didn't. Well, they were – I looked into it, and they had lost quite a few offensive starters. So it was not a surprise that they got beat that bad, but it also, you know, is to say that they were the Sun Belt co-champions or whatever it was last year. And, yeah, so. All right. North Texas SMU. This is called the Safeway Bowl rivalry, Desmond, because way back when, a few years ago, the North Texas coach said – Tell us wherever we'll play in a safe a parking lot of a Safeway grocery store. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I think I think I remember you saying that last year. Yeah. So um, personally, I don't know where SMU's at without uh, Shane Bouchelle. They did win last week, but that's not saying much. They beat SFA. Um, I do think that North Texas is getting really, you know, is getting better. They they had a stretch where they were not so great after Mason Fine left. Um, I do like North Texas to win this one. In fact, this is my upset pick, Desmond. I like North Texas. They haven't won at SMU since 1933. They do it this year. 37 to 30. George. I, I, okay. I have SMU winning this one 24-14. I'm going to tell you something, something that's really good about SMU. Their offensive line is outstanding. I mean, you could put any quarterback back there and they'll have eight plus seconds to, to throw the ball. You know, I in, I really think that they're going to win this game against UNT. I wouldn't be surprised if North Texas won because I know like that's kind of a school you have a soft spot for. Um, <laughs> My first ever small school. Hey, yeah, hey. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> but yeah, I think SMU is going to win this game. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, so it should be a good one. And our final one around the state, California and TCU. They're playing in Fort Worth. TCU's offense, Desmond, looked unstoppable last week. I know they were playing an FCS opponent, but you have to say, when you win 45-3, to you're doing something right, okay? You're, you're, you're at least putting up points up there and, um, and scoring touchdowns. I like the TCU Horned Frogs to continue their offense. Cal did not look good last week against Nevada. 40-10. to TCU wins this one big. And I think we might be overlooking them in the Big 12. I think we need to see them against Big 12 competition first, but watch out in the Big 12. I agree, George. I have 41-28, Patterson unbeaten against Pac-12. I think it's going to keep happening. Yeah, it should be real. The Pac-12 is not in a good spot right now. The entire, with the exception of Oregon, the entire Pac-12 North, Desmond, lost last week. Oh boy! And they was keep. It, was, they it, keep was it the Pac-12 that we had a question last week saying like, wasn't the Pac-12 like, are they going to make it to the conference? Yeah, to the, the to the to, to the playoff. Yeah, to the playoffs, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. And the Pac-12 that keeps complaining that they get left out of the playoff for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. We'll move forward on a somber, more somber note. Um, as we look back and honor those that we lost on September 11, 2001, we never forget them. Um, 20 years ago on Saturday, we'll mark that fateful day. 
And Desmond, I thought it'd be fitting to kind of look at, you know, times in sports where the world, where the world of sports took a backseat, the world, it, it took this idea that we, you know, the world of sports just was able to heal that, that, that emptiness for some people and bring the, the country together. Uh, so figured we'd take a look at our, you know, each of us have a top three of like patriotic memories or memories in sport that just meant a lot to the U S at the time that they happened. Um, quickly for me, my top three, number three, and maybe this is a, a bad order, but number three for me is president George Bush's uh, pitch at the 2001 world series. He was the first pitch. Um, he got out there on the mound through an absolute strike to the to home plate. Uh, there's a 30 for 30 all about it. You know, of course, we were both alive and Desmond, we were both babies when 9-11 yeah. happened. So, you know, just be able to remember it in, in, in ways that we see it on screen now is just something I think important. But that's something that I keep seeing and I see in pictures and I'm just like, wow, that's really cool. Uh, number two for me is the Miracle on Ice 1980 Winter Olympics. Yeah. Uh, the, there's just something special about that. I, I don't really think it needs to be. <clears throat> Um, and number one, it might be an unpopular number one, but Whitney Houston's national anthem at Super Bowl one. 25. I thought about that too. Uh, 1991 was that Super Bowl. That was basically on the when the U.S. went, uh, it was Desert Storm, Operation Desert Storm. And um, it was just this rendition that even, even the, to today, people remember how strong, how good Whitney Houston's national anthem was. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so that that's my top three. I will say the red, white, and blue out that Kyle Field just did, and they did it in honor of the 20 years that you know we did it 20 years, a few days after the 9-11 attacks in 2001. Both those are pretty uh, pretty cool, honestly, to see the red, white, and blue, the different decks at Kyle Field this past Saturday, like participate in that. That was really cool. Um, Jesse Owens' 1936 Berlin Olympics, that's a really good one. Um, kind of just put everything aside and said, hey, I'm the best athlete in the world. Respect puts respect on my name. Um, and then Mike Piazza's home run after in the first game back after 9-11 um, at Shea Stadium. That's just something special. You're going to see that clip probably a thousand times this weekend as the Yankees and Mets play on Saturday. Uh, but Desmond, your top three um, of these moments. Go for it. Those are those are fantastic stories. A lot of those honorable mentions. But you know, I was a little biased on these. I had a little unpopular ones, but Number three, I'm definitely gonna say probably Pat Tillman. As you know, he left his NFL career after the September 11 attacks to go in the military. Definitely huge, impactful, still talked about today. Um, number two, actually for me, 1947, PV Reese and Jackie Robinson. Honestly, I would have gone with anything Jackie Robinson, just breaking on the color barrier alone. But for speaking moments, of course, that moment where Pee-wee put his arm around Jackie, and we got that famous picture and statue. Um, fantastic moment. What's the, one, what's the quote? It's like, uh, someday maybe we'll all wear 42. So yeah, yeah. And, look, and look look what happened now. There you go. <laughs> and then this was by far, when you told me patriotic moments, this is the moment I thought of. Boston had just been bombed during the marathon. Mm. David Ortiz is in Fenway Park. Now, I'm not going to say the full quote because, you know, we keep it child-friendly here. But he said, this is our freaking city. And to, to the thing, I still think about this because the, the way the crowd cheered after that, there's nothing more American than that, George. 
And it was during such an emotional time whenever, you know what I'm saying, it was in Boston, in Fenway, and someone like as big as David Ortiz is that, you know, still is, it was just amazing. And it's like one of the, I think it's one of the first times someone's cussed on live TV and everyone was like, good for you, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's, I think it was the, um, the first game that Boston played back at Fenway Park. I believe that was what it was uh, after the bombings. And um, he gave that speech that was just, you know, I think it was what everyone was thinking at the time. And then when they said it, you know, when he said it it was like, oh yeah, like, of course. (laughs) And I believe the Boston won that baseball game. I want to say they won. Um, So there you go. And they ended up, didn't they end up winning the world series that year too? I think so too, yeah. yeah so but yeah, honorable mentions, you mentioned them, Miracle and Ice, Jesse Owens. It actually won that brought the community, the the American culture a different way was actually Fergie's performance singing the National Anthem. I know you're laughing, George, but think about it. Think about how many people the, were talking about the national anthem, singing the national anthem, talking about America after that happened. Many. Oh, absolutely. And oh, say (laughs) does that stop, you know, shout out to Fergie. But no, seriously, I think you make a good point there. Like, it doesn't matter um, that, you know, it was people were laughing. It was people were talking about it. And maybe that was what Fergie wanted. Maybe she wanted people to just start talking about that. Her fact that she was singing, she sang the national anthem in this funky way. But, you know. Um, I, I find it funny that we both had a national anthem type yeah. <laughs> on our on our list. Um, one the best, and then one just the most the most of uh, the vi- most viral video yeah. <laughs> version. But either way, um, we encourage you to remember those that we lost. And um, at eight forty seven a.m. on Saturday, we encourage you to take a moment of silence and remember those as we. Um, believe that was when the first tower north tower was struck i want to say um but yeah so we honor those and it's crazy to think that that was 20 years ago desmond um wild uh but yeah so on a different note we move forward and we'll pick the games that we like we always do and desmond i have to tell you i did not do very great on picking the games last week um, so you, my friend, you only got two wrong. So you will have a huge lead there. And you also got your upset, right? And I did not. So I am having to play catch up here as, uh, we start the second episode. So hopefully we'll, uh, make some ground this week and we'll start quickly here. We'll go rapid fire through these Oregon and Ohio state. This is the top 15 matchup in Columbus, Ohio state. We thought maybe was had peaked, you know, being runners up in the national championship. And then they sort of just played really well on Thursday last week. And uh, here we are. They're playing an Oregon team that barely beat Fresno State. I got the Buckeyes winning this one pretty easily, 41 to 20. George, as you said, it, one team beat Minnesota. Other teams struggled against Fresno State. I'm going to Ohio State, 30-17. Yeah, this should not be a contest, unfortunately. Um, I don't think it's going to be that good of a game. Maybe early on, but not as we get to the second half. All right. College game day. It'll go right to it. College game day's game of the week. They're going to be live from Ames, Iowa for the second time in three years for the rivalry between the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Iowa State 
Cyclones. This is a top 10 matchup, Desmond. First time that the Cyhawk is the rivalry that they call it. First time that that has been a top 10 matchup um, ever in the rivalry series. And just like two years ago, Iowa was ranked. They were an underdog. They got the win. This year, Iowa's ranked. They're an underdog. They get the win. I got the Iowa Hawkeyes beating the Cyclones 34 to 27. And this one, Desmond, is my underdog pick. I think Iowa will get it done. Not my upset pick, but my underdog pick. This is my, I think there's a trend. Last week I chose game day to be an upset. This week I'm choosing game day to be upset. I mean, everything you just said is correct, George, 2014. Not to mention the fact that their defense was insane. Last week. Oh, yeah. what was that? Two pick sixes or something on Indiana? George. But I do, if Iowa State wins, I won't be surprised. I think this is a big game for them. You know what I'm saying? This is really going to prove do they, do they have what it takes to win the Big 12 and deserve a spot in that uh, the final four? But definitely a great game. Iowa's going to win it. Yeah, it should be a good one. And it's on ABC at 3 30 p.m. Central Time from Ames, Iowa. But game day starts at 9, 8 a.m. Uh, you could take – or 9 a.m., excuse me. Um, should be a good one there in Iowa. Already, Desmond, Appalachian State in Miami, they play at Hard Rock Stadium. And we saw Miami actually just get – to put it lack of a better words, they're a hurricane and they got blown out of the state of Georgia by Alabama. So there you go. Um they go back home, they'll face Appalachian State, who's always a team that kind of gives, you know, big teams trouble. Um, I think Appalachian State's a good team. They got an, a d- double-digit win last week. I don't think that is the case this week. I think Miami barely wins, closer than the expert thinks, 38-34. George, I think it's going to be a blowout. I'm sorry. 44 chewing. My boy D. Kingston go out and do his work. Yeah, I just don't think he had enough time to do his work on Saturday. He, the offensive line was not no. giving him any favors. And uh, Alabama really was uh, showing the negatives. Well, I was going to say, they also were playing Alabama, you know. Correct, <laughs> correct, correct. Um, so we'll see what Miami can do. All righty, the Holy War, that's Utah and BYU. They're playing this one in Provo, Utah, at the home of the BYU campus. And Desmond, this when these two teams play each other, it's always heated. It's always good. Um, it's always just a really good rivalry game. And I think it's this year won't be any different. I like BYU, but I think Utah is just the better team and they'll get the, they'll, they'll win this time. 31, 30, really close. I agree, George at 38, 30. Um, and I think Utah's going to just pull it out there in the end. Yeah, I, I do like BYU. You guys know, I like BYU if you've listened to this podcast, but I just think Utah's a much better team. Um, not quite sold on BYU just yet. All right. The probably the most lackluster, boring Saturday night football matchup you're going to get this season, Washington, Michigan. This was supposed to be a ranked on ranked matchup. Washington lost to Montana, Michigan beat team, but they're not good enough to be ranked. Desmond, I, I almost thought maybe we shouldn't pick this game, but you know, it is on prime time on national television. <sighs> Just go watch a different game. 35 to 10, Michigan wins. It's not even going to be close. Go move on. Go watch something different. Yeah, George, I think it's going to be a closer game than people imagine. Um, 
I didn't have Michigan win this 35-31, but don't be surprised if you see a nail-biter out there. Yeah, Michigan's a seven-point favorite, so I guess you could see that, but I'm sorry. I just I don't believe in Washington's offense. I watched five minutes of a highlight of a highlight clip, a highlight package from their game, and boy, did they look sad against an FCS opponent. No, I'm sorry. I can't re- I can't pick a team that barely that only got a touchdown against a team that they should beat by like five touchdowns. Um, so all righty, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. This is the Johnny Majors Bowl, if you will. So Johnny Majors, he was a legendary head coach. He coached at both of these schools, and he'll be back in attendance in Knoxville. Um, I like Tennessee. I think they might find a way to get this one done. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, and I have them picking. I have picking them to win, uh, thirty-four to thirty-one. But watch out for Pitt, Pittsburgh because Pitt always finds a way to make things really, really intriguing, and they always have something up their sleeve. So I'll take Tennessee to win this one, but close. I'm not taking the opposite way, George. Kenny Prickett, super senior, pretty great quarterback. I think Pittsburgh's going to win this one, 45-35. Okay. We move forward to our last two, including our listener's choice. But first, Desmond, there's something I feel like we had to pick a patriotic matchup between Air Force and Navy on the weekend that we honor America uh, for that 9-11 tribute they're playing this one in annapolis maryland and desmond navy did not look good last week i got to go with my air force falcons 34 to 10 and i believe you'll probably lean the same way yes george i am uh i have winning 17 14 i think it's be close and that's going to be my underdog pick because the spread i think was like six Okay, so you have Navy covering but not winning. Yeah, yes, Navy covering but not winning. Okay, so there you go. There's your locks of the week. Desmond telling you to take Navy, not money line, just to cover. And I'm telling you to take Iowa to uh, take the take the spread. But uh, <laughs> maybe not necessarily win, but take the spread. Take the spread, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, all right. Uh, Illinois and Virginia is our listener's choice game. And again, it comes from our good friend Hunter Prabhu until uh, we get some more listeners that want to choose our games. And don't forget, you could do that by uh, l- just letting us know on social media or letting us know in real life. We'll, we'll make sure to get your choice on the air. And Desmond, he picked this one because, just because, again, just because. Um, so Illinois, Virginia, Illinois is coming off an interesting loss to UTSA, which I think is going to be really good. Um, I don't think they beat Virginia. They played. This is a 10 a.m. Central Time kickoff. They're playing it in Virginia, so it's an 11 a.m. local time kickoff. But 34 to 27, Virginia wins. Desmond, mm. I don't know. I really like Sikowski, their quarterback um, for Illinois, right? Correct. He transferred from Rutgers. That's correct. I think I think he's gonna pull this one out. Oh, uh, okay. Third 31 28. I'm going to Illinois. All right, there you go. You heard it there first. And uh don't forget we got one more week before we give you our small schools. And Desmond, I can oh, tell boy. you, I can yeah. tell you, I'm taking a look at a uh, Charlotte, UTSA, and Tulane. Those are my watch lists right now. We'll see UTSA, how they do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I uh gotta shout out the Roadrunners, you know, uh, just up the road in San Antonio. But more on that next week as we reveal those and uh, keep wa- talking and college football this season. For my colleague Desmond McLaughlin, I am George Coff, and 
you know, this has been the fifth quarter podcast episode two. We wish you a very pleasant weekend and we uh, will see you next time and hope you tune in to us next time here on the podcast. So long, take care, Giga Maggies, go Cougars and uh, adios.